Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A with Breathing Deeply founder Bryant Pasalakwa and students inside our meditation program. In this first segment, Bryant discusses the simplicity and power of spiritual practice and remembrance. Today I'm thinking about how simple this all is. <laughs> and, and the way like... Um, we need to have like this sort of like infinite curiosity and inquiry and then at the same time balance it out with simple simple practice and not getting in our own way really we're just supposed to be noticing you know a slight inward direction and then noticing and with any luck over time we start doing that all the time, you know, slight inward direction and noticing as we go about our daily business. That's what the Spandarakita teaches us. <clears throat> and it's so hard, you know, it's like, it's so simple and it is so hard to remember to do that. Um, but when we have those moments where we do remember, you get these like kind of epiphanies or even many samadhis where you, where you kind of get it, you know, your aha moments where you're like, oh, that's it. Nothing else needs to happen. Um, you know, because when I do this, I see that I've always been attached to this thing. I've always been aware of this thing. And, this moment comes from the last moment and the one after at the same time. Like it's all uh, easy breezy, you know, that way. And when we don't remember that, it, it all seems so challenging, you know, it seems so challenging. We try to figure out what to do next and how to, uh, maximize our existence <laughs> our time on this planet and our mind just like runs with it and so i've always had this this kind of practice of, of reading a little bit every day um, and over the years spiritual texts and over the years um you know i go through different phases like everyone where it's like more or less interesting to me you know, more or less ahas or certain texts were so juicy and now I don't care about them at all and vice versa. But over the years, you realize like that that practice is so powerful because it's really all about that remembrance and it, it almost doesn't matter what the text is. It's like what what's inspiring you at the moment is interesting, but it's really the practice of, of uh, remembering. And I think we could all use like reminders <laughs> of that, 
of how these like small um, habits, you know, turn into like life-changing kind of profound things. And, and the more you do, the more you do it, the less sometimes you're aware of how useful your practices are because they like everything else just become the fabric of your life. Like I personally don't remember not doing yoga. I have a storyline around it, but I do not remember it. It's been too long. Like the brain I have now is not the same. You know, the mind I have now is not the same one. So, um, but I did have the experience personally of like taking a lot of time off asana and coming back to it and it was great it was so great to like experience it again like I hadn't done it in a little while it's like really pleasant and really interesting um and um sort of fascinating and it reminded me of how much it had done for me you know um, and I think it's like that with all things, you know, where you kind of come in and out of interest in something. Um, but the the daily reading has stayed with me from the day I started it. Um, and I think it's because I intuitively know that my mind is going to think about other things unless I feed it. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's like, you know, it's like anything you have to feed, including your body. You, you got to give it the right nourishment. Um, so that's what I was thinking about today. It's all so easy. Yet we still have to set ourselves up for success. Right. And keep our interest and curiosity alive. You know, sort of tend that flame a little bit. And I don't know about you, I've known a lot of people that have quit spiritual practices over the years. Um, it's, it's interesting to talk to them because they generally feel some sort of loss around it even if they don't want to do that thing again. What is the best way to read spiritual texts? Yeah, I mean, sometimes reading too much, you know, where you're trying to like, where you're grasping because the, they're kind of, the art of, of being with spiritual texts is actually understanding them and not, it's not the same as like a self-help writer, you know, who's trying to take you on a, on a journey with them so that you, you know, you think about things and process them in that way. Um, the kind of, all these texts, especially the ones that are in sutras, you know, are there for contemplation. So, you know, we don't really read a lot of them at a time. So times for what feels like progression and times for um, just being with your practice. Learning new things sometimes like, you know, shakes us up in a good way. She can't be doing that all the time. In this next segment, Brandt discusses getting to the root of our desire for a change in humanity and also how to cope when humanity does bad things that are out of our control. I mean, at an absolute level, it's a, well, there's a couple of things. One is it's a desire, right? 
it's a desire set. So the teachings on desire say, you know, follow your desires to their roots. Don't get caught up in the in the in the small desire that you're you're looking at right now. So, like for instance, you know, the desire for there to be no war, right? Even that is a small desire from a yoga point of view. That's not what that's not what you truly desire in your heart of hearts. You you wish for that, um, but what all the teachings say is like you really got to follow that all the way back because like the the not getting your desire is the thing that's bothering you, and that's where the you know why we can't stand uh, people because they're not behaving the way we want them to behave, and there's no difference from a spiritual point of view and how you know Putin is behaving and how your partner is behaving and how your kids are behaving and how it's all the same. It's like you want people to be different than they are. You know, I say you, I mean we. <laughs> um, you know, we want things to be different and we are not getting that satisfaction. And the reason I say it's the Yogi way is because as you get more in touch with like the way things could be, the difference becomes starker, right? So like one of the things that happens yeah. when you go from no yoga to yoga, like over a period of time is you start losing friends, right? Or your tolerance to be around certain people because now you can, you can see the difference, you know? It's like getting sober. You know, it's like, I'm not going to be around drunk people all day. And then you do yoga. It's like getting sober again. It's like, I'm not going to be around completely unenlightened people all day. And now you're into this like weird, incredibly small subset of the population that you're okay with. And then there's another evolution that happens, which is it's okay that all these people are the way they are and I am because I'm actually not any different than them because that's the evolution with practice, which is like Putin wants the Eastern Donbass and you know I want my wife to you know come home at five o'clock and say, you're the most amazing person I've ever seen and make me dinner, you know? It's like, we all want stuff, you know? but that not, might not be her agenda today, you know? And that, that sameness is an important part of practice, even though it sounds so ludicrous, you know? It's the same things at play. I will temper the conversation with, and then you have your Dharma, which is why you see how I've whittled down practice to just a few things. And your dharma might be trying to prevent, you know, people from getting slaughtered in countries and things like that's its own thing. But in terms of spiritual practice, they're not the same. Actions that you must take because it's part of your role and your dharma is not the same as like the kind of way we need to understand that we are always trying to control everything. And we control is one way to look at it. We desire stuff, you know desires never get fulfilled completely because there's really only one desire, right? So all the little desires, they, they will never get, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy them and enjoy like the attempt 
of fulfilling those desires, you know, or be in the moment and ride that kind of wave of your own desire as a way of understanding it. Like the teachings say that too, that you can get basically uber present within your own desires. At its root, you know, yoga's like, look, your, your mind has an endless desire state, the same way nature is endlessly expanding. It's the same. You're so powerful that you're never going to come to the end. So the day-to-day -day is you get annoyed, right? You get annoyed with people not under, like you get annoyed. And we get annoyed because we think they don't understand something we understand. The enlightened people are never annoyed. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the idea. I don't know. I mean, I've never been them, but like these people that sit around, I mean, if you've ever been to an ashram where there's a guru who's like fairly enlightened or a monk or something that's just like practiced a long time. I mean, people ask them like really annoying, stupid questions, like all the time, every day, you know, and they seem like totally fine with the whole situation. You know, where you or me might be like, oh my God, you know, like I've, I've been in the audience and there's this like person talking to like the head monk, you know, who's like really got a pretty serious grounded presence. And I'm sitting there going like, oh man, you got to check yourself, you know, like you are just like, you are all about you, you know, and like, I'm like super judgy of this person, you know, and of course the monk is like totally fine with them. You know, so then I walk away, you know, and I'm like, oh, right, it's, it's me that's the problem. Got it. Got it, got it. <laughs> How can we do the work on ourselves to contribute to global enlightenment? It's, it's hard to like kind of wrap your mind around it, right? Yeah. Like, how can I be okay with, you know, people that are making it so everything's on fire, you know? <laughs> you know, but then of course, I that's think I know example. who it is that's making it that way. It's like, it's so complicated. And I, I don't want to get into like a philosophical discussion about it. It's more just like, you know what you got to do. You need to contribute to global enlightenment on and everyone does that on a small scale really it's like look do you think putin doesn't have trauma i mean look at this guy's actions like clearly i'm not excusing him i'm just saying like this is the issue when no one has any more trauma or when trauma is reduced by 50 percent, we won't have these problems right like right. like people are all dealing with their samskaras you know that's what we know and it's our job to contribute, you know, not passing our own on, working on ourselves, you know, maybe you're powerful enough to like help a few people around you understand something, you know, in a way that lessens their suffering and hopefully it all works out. But I find myself from practicing so much and for so long, when I say long, I just mean in my life, you know, long to me. Um, seeing horrible things in my newsfeed and being like, yeah, that's, that's horrible. And it's the same. Like I have multiple reactions to every single piece of information now. It's, it's not like it was, you know, it's, a, it's not tempered. It's just more wide. The work of working on your own samskaras 
and understanding how that process works so that you can either be different or maybe even pass it along, you know, is really important. What exactly are samskaras and how can we process them? They're really things from the past, things that <clears throat> every thought actually creates a samskara. You know, the sutra is like only the one born from meditation, you know, only, only insight from um, deeper awareness does not produce any kind of result. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't create a latent impression in your mind. And so even the acknowledging of that is, is a lot of the work, understanding that we are built also to be present. Like we're built to be connected. And even it doesn't seem like that. <laughs> um, but it doesn't seem like that because as, as a collective, it's not our orientation. So then the work becomes more individual. You know, like if we could start society from scratch again, we probably wouldn't have this group here going, you know? <laughs> um, so, you know, and the other part of that is that you're born with impressions. You know, you're born right, with a certain sort of like bias in your mind that can only be sort of merged with the truth um, by some sort of contemplative process. That's what the teachings kind of say. Um, and I see it, I mean, that's a little heady, you know, I see it sort of like negative bias in a sort of realistic way where like, it's not that you have to like always be in a meditative state or something, but if you're gonna live at like a 98.7% non-contemplative place, like it's not gonna go well. And then that's gonna be passed on, you know? So it's, it's our job, you know, in this lifetime, it's your job to sort of um, clean that up a little bit, you know? Cause you were, you were just from the, even the past life, perspective, which I think is very useful, like you were born with a certain set of samskaras that you creates an entire like filter on your mind for how you're seeing everything. And it's not necessarily correct. You know, when we when we move into samadhi states and contemplative states that are very present, that are very connected, you know, we change. And that's the change. The samskaras gets washed. We're no longer influenced by them. That's what the teachings say. And then, you know, people go all different ways of like sort of talking about this, you know. Um, and then, you know, people go the other way talking about being like, everything is okay. You don't have to actually do anything. But they're saying the same thing. It's like, you don't have to do anything. You're just going to expand and contract and expand and contract. And your latent impressions are going to influence you more and less. But they're kind of saying the same thing because what they're saying is you don't need to do anything except understand this completely. 
by being present, right? Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review, and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.